You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. EntrepreneurIgnited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the fluff, skip the BS, and just give you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your business and income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be diving deep into list building and email marketing and choosing the right technology to uh, to help you uh, run your email marketing campaigns. And to help us with this, we have an incredible lady that has over 27 years of experience designing software and running businesses. Uh, she was named one of the top 20 online marketing strategists by the Online Marketing Institute in 2014 and again in 2015. She's founded two marketing software companies and a content marketing agency, and her company, Janu, is focused on providing integrated online marketing tools and marketing automation to small and mid-sized businesses through both their flagship project, Janu, and their newer product, which we'll be talking about, WP Marketing Engine, uh, which is the industry's first and only full-featured marketing automation platform, which is accessed entirely through your WordPress admin, which is very, very fascinating. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kim Elby to the show. Kim, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you very much, Derek. It's really, really fun to be talking with you today. Awesome. Now, before we get started... Um, just kind of expand on my introduction and, and give us your story as an entrepreneur. How did you get into, how did you get into software development and running your companies and, and building marketing software? Yeah, well, it's, um, I went to school. I'm a geek, I guess, by nature. I went to school and got my degree in being a geek and, um, and being a software architect. And uh, so I've always been in technology and I've always been sort of um, lucky enough to be sort of on the leading edge of a lot of different kinds of technology build. So, um, so that just, uh, and then I grew up in a family where my dad, you know, owned his own business. He was a general contractor, built houses and apartments and things like that in San Diego area. So I think I've always had this, you know, in lots of different ways we're pointing to that, you know, Kim's going to be an entrepreneur. So um, if I look back in my life, that's kind of, I like to, to make a difference, but I've always wanted to make a difference for small businesses and it's taken me a while to get here. Um, and, uh, and so I, my first company I created, uh, we had this technology and, um, and I always worked for large companies. So Wells Fargo's, uh, Star Tribune here in the Twin Cities used to be the 16th major metropolitan newspaper. You know what happened to newspapers? Um, <laughs> but at any rate, so, uh, I started my company, um, so that I could help small business and my first company that I created, I couldn't do it. I couldn't create how to make it affordable, for that small business market. I just couldn't make it sustainable. And so in about 2007, I had this aha moment where I realized what we could do. And that was the forming and the creation of Janu. Um, and of course, it was also the big downturn uh, in the economy in 2008. So, you know, timing, not necessarily on my side, but at any rate, we've, we're still growing and moving and I keep looking for what's the leverage point for small business, and that's really been my focus, entrepreneurs and small business, because I think that they mostly get the short end of the stick a lot. So, you know, they're the least likely to have all the resources to really do what needs to be done to really grow, and yet they have to cobble all these different kinds of things together 
um, or be really, really reliant on a technologist to help them. So my whole thing is how do we how do we circumvent that? How do we empower those folks to really do well? So that's that's kind of the driving factor behind what I do. So I created a company to help create help do that. I was told by a lot of people, you don't have a company. You know, you've got a technology idea, and I just kept moving forward. And we've just put some things together, and people uh, seem to like what they're what they get from us and the support that we provide. And on we go, you know. And and, and I love what you're doing, and I totally agree with what you're saying because uh, you know I see it every day with the uh, with the people I work with and and the people starting businesses, and it's such a pain in the ass. When you're getting started and you don't have the technical skills and, you know, trying to piece together all of these independent systems and trying to make them work cohesively to accomplish what in theory should be a simple task. And it's, it's a showstopper for a lot of people who are just getting started. Right. And on top of that, you call a company to ask for help and then they tell you, well, it's not us. Go call someone else. Oh, yeah. Go- <laughs> You know, it's like, or you've got your WordPress site, right? So say you have a WordPress site and you end up having an issue. So you contact the plugin company that you're trying to figure out and they say, okay, well, disable all the plugins on your site. Oh yeah, of course. Tell us if you still have the problem and you're like, but my site's up, it's operating. I'm taking money right now. I have an e-commerce site. What do you mean? Just turn everything off and see if I still have a problem. What What are you talking about? You know what I mean? So you have that too. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I can tell you. I, I've had, you know, not, not all that long ago, we went through exactly this. And it was a perfect thing. Everything was working just fine. And then one day, something stopped processing. And so I call up Infusionsoft um, or Confusionsoft, depending on how you want to refer to them. And, <laughs> and, and, and they say, no, it's your gateway. It's your merchant account. I call the gateway in the merchant account. They swear up and down it's not them. And it's Infusionsoft. And, and trying to try and we spent a couple days finally troubleshooting it ourselves because neither of them would take accountability for it right and right and and fortunately i have you know some good technical resources that i can tap into and we eventually uh did trace it back to infusionsoft and uh, but we had to show them where their issue was right and right and so for the small guy getting started who doesn't have technical resources holy crap that's a pain Exactly. So, okay. So now, and I want to talk more about uh, technology because, I mean, email marketing and marketing technology is, I think, is at a really interesting point. And there's this whole new market of companies like yours that are opening up, that are offering people just getting started, small businesses, some really cool functionality. So we're going to get to that. But before we get to that, let's let's dig into some of the the, the actual, the, the email marketing, list building stuff. And I know you've got a list of, uh, of tips and strategies for us to dig into. And before we get into that, though, um, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, kind of the mistakes that are happening right now yeah. and some of the issues you're seeing. Because, I mean, you know, any any seasoned internet marketing vent- veteran is familiar with the term, you know, the money's in the list. You know, I've never met a six or seven or eight-figure digital entrepreneur that's not using uh, email as a, a main part of their business. But despite its importance, I'm seeing so many people that are doing it poorly, getting mediocre results or just almost non-existent results. You know, why is it? What are people doing wrong with their email marketing today? What are some of the common faux pas, if you will? Well, here's a couple of things I see. The first one is people 
while nobody likes to admit this anymore, and if you ask them, it's kind of like it's embarrassing to say, but most people are still doing this, and that's called sending an email to my entire list every time I send an email, mm-hmm. um, or batch and blast. No matter what, if I have a list and I'm going to send an email, I got to send it to the entire list, right? And if you're using, say, Constant Contact or you know any of the, you know, an AWeber or whatever, all you have are lists, and so you just have to choose which one are you going to send to, right? And that's where, you know, I think list-based systems get you in trouble today um, because it's, it's getting, it'll be worse and worse in terms of your deliverability if you continue to do that. Mm-hmm. If you continue to send to your whole list, the Googles of the world, the ISPs of the world that get your emails are starting to get smarter and smarter about who's engaging and all of that. And those kinds, sending that kind of volume where you're only getting a 20% open rate, so eight people of 10 are not looking at your email, is going to start hurting you dramatically. And and that's uh, the part where people are going to have to, are going to get a big wake-up call that don't start to wake up already. Yeah, and, and here's the challenge. What entry-level system, email marketing system, I'm racking my brain right now, what entry-level email marketing system allows you to do advanced segmenting beyond just a list? Well, I have an answer for that. Well, but but I'm talking like the I'm talking about the yeah, the, 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 the seven dollar, the eight dollar, the yeah, ten dollar yeah. entry, like the the A yeah, the get response. The no, they don't. It's all list-based sending, right? And even Mailchimp at the cheap end, you can't do. You can't. It's all list-based sending, and you can only know certain things about that list as well. And that's part of what the problem is, because they can't tell you really what a person or, you know, an an email address basically on your list is actually interested in. All you get is this is what link they clicked. And we have more and more statistics that show that that doesn't necessarily even tell you intent or tell you real interest. Um, And so, so you do have problems there. I agree. The current state of things. um, And even when you watch, you know, public television here in the U.S., I see over and over, you know, ads for constant contact. You're an email marketer and they show you how to put a coupon and blast it out to your entire list and all your customers. <laughs> and, and then you're a, and so now you're a modern marketer, you know, and this is their ads and they have them running and it's like, oh my God, you know, but that's all you can get from that solution. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and, but we see, I see them run, you know, here in public television, you know, all the time we're seeing those ads. So, wow. Wow. That's scary. So, (laughs) okay. So, I mean, you know, the the answer is, is segmentation and, and we'll talk more about technology and some of the the solutions available for that. And, and I think one of the things I'd love to do here is, is, um, dive into a little bit, because I think a lot of people listening don't understand email technology and, and sort of a list based versus, a. um, an action-based or tag-based system, and I think you know we can we can dive into that. But before we do, let's now let's talk about um, some specific strategies because I know through what you're doing, you're all. I mean, your system is all about uh, offering you know, opt-ins and, and really cool ways to, to collect data off the website. So, you know, if you had to give me, say, your top five, what would be the top five ways and things you should be doing to capture emails on your website today? Yes. So here's my first one, okay? Um, and this is, this is stunning. This, this shocked me, actually, when I found out about it. I couldn't believe it. But do you know that 
the majority of bloggers out there on the internet today, people who are blogging, have no idea who their blog subscribers are. They don't know who they are. They might know how many they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and only, but there's only like, I think it's only like 25 or 30% that actually know who they are. So when you say know who they are, are you talking like these are, these are people are just saying, hey, subscribe through a feed or? Yeah, they subscribe yeah. and they feed burner or whatever. They have no idea who their blog subscribers really are. Um, or they're, and they're, so they're using a, a, a blog kind of email system where it's all in a separate system. Mm-hmm. So it's not in anything that you can ever know anything about. And on top of that, so that's blog subscribers. But on top of that, imagine now we all know we get a lot of blog comment spam, but the ones who actually take the time to comment that are legit, you don't know who those people are either. Mm-hmm. So they comment on your blog. They're actually engaged with you, and yet you don't know who they are. And these are these are people that are interested in you. They're interested in what you're doing. I mean, by God, if they click the subscribe to my blog button, which is the most generic form of call to action, and you don't know who they are, yeah. and yet what you want is a list, and you and the money's in the list, and you want to send it. Why don't you know who they are? Why don't you care about not only that they subscribed, but when you do an update to your blog, what are they reading? What are they clicking through on? What are they engaging with? And you don't have any intelligence into that at all. To me, seems to be a squandering of some really good capital that you can get there. And so for me, number one is know who they are and pay attention and have a system that lets you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, the challenge is, is you know, people say, hey, I'm going to start a blog or they enroll in a blog program and, uh, you know, how to start a blog and they start their blog and, you know, uh, in so many cases, the email is the afterthought. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so wrong because the fact is, is the reason you're pushing content out there is to get people to come to your website and to engage with you. And you need to capture those people as effectively as possible and then know who they are so you can now market to them. And it's funny because I'm watching this whole um, – community of of people that are coming into internet marketing from the let's call it the social side okay mm-hmm. so and and i've always come at it from you know i'm kind of i feel I hate old saying this but an old school <laughs> you know the direct response marketing and so sure. ev- everything i do i'm like why am i doing this you know and it, it's it's either to catch or you know capture a lead create a conversion whatever that may be right and so so what i'm seeing is a lot of people that are coming in at from the social side, give away mm-hmm. all this value, and, and the university universal will reward you. And, right. And and, right. and, and the, the fact is, is the universe will only reward you if you know how to monetize those rewards. Right. So, so yeah, That's I, I, I totally and agree. I, exactly. I think that you know the the thing is 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 if you're gonna here's the here's the challenge, and we set it right at the beginning, right? So I want to start a blog, and so I just start doing my blog and then it's like, oh, I need subscribers. And you try and hook all the things together to get the subscribers in a way that you would know who they are. And, and if it takes you more than, you know, three hours to try and figure that out. And I've seen people be like, I spent a day and a half getting my thing set up with active campaign and now it's finally working. Phew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you see these kinds of, and people only have so much patience and then they're going to be like, Hey, just use this solution. Yeah. You won't know who they are, but Hey, I'm off to the races and people are at least getting emails. Yeah. Right. I don't know who they are and I don't know what they're doing with the emails, but Hey, they're getting them. Yeah. 
And, and then, you know, they'll like me enough that they'll come back and then maybe I'll at some point find out who they are. Um, and so you just kind of give away that part of your business or that part of being in control of things because it's too hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, so, I, so I think that's it um, also. Okay. What's next? Okay. So this one goes off the first one too. So number two is... There are two critical questions to ask before publishing any blog post. Two critical questions to ask before publishing any blog post. Most people just publish their posts. They have the standard sidebar that is the same on every single post that you have. And you probably have a subscribe to my blog, you know, thing on the, you know, call to action on your sidebar. But here's the thing that people are missing. And here's the first question. If a visitor loves this post, what could I provide that would deepen their knowledge or allow them to personalize this idea to their world? So that's your first question. Okay. Okay. And the second question is, if they don't take my first offer, what is the second thing or action that would make a difference for them associated with this post? Now... Yes, this takes a little bit more work than just pushing out a blog post. But if you can answer those two questions and you can provide that in your blog post, you will grow your leads way more quickly than just having a subscribe to our blog button. So so to break that down and just put it in absolute layman's terms is mm-hmm. every blog post should have at least two opt-in offers that offer content that's relevant to and builds on the topic within the blog post. Yes. And 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 I and I couldn't agree more. Now, what's mm-hmm. the stumbling block there though? Is people go, "Well, how do I do that?" You know? That's right. And, exactly. And, 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 and it's not it's not trivial. Um it has not. I will put it this way, it has not been trivial to do that. Um, I talk to people every day that are like, yeah, we would love to do that. But, you know, we just aligned on one thing and it's on all our blogs. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know what? Right now, and I mean, I, I've, I've got sites that I, I am totally guilty of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not, you know, they're, they're, it's another element that's difficult to, right. to figure out. So Right. But if you can do this, if you can do this, you can generate. So I have some statistics um, and you can generate literally, let me just pull them up because I have, we did this study, you guys, we did this study. And if you can, um, you can get, so our, in the same period, so we had one, say, subscribe to our blog, call to action in the sidebar of, of everything. And we did a study. And in that study, we actually did content, what I call content specific calls to action. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we really looked at these two questions and we answered them on blog posts, same traffic coming in, and we had a 6,400% increase in our subscribers over just the generic call to action. Wow, only only 6,400%? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's solid. That's solid. So I, I'm just saying it's a huge difference if you can tackle massive. that. Yeah, It's absolutely. massive, yeah. Okay. Next on the list. Okay, so the third one, and you've already heard me say this, is content-specific calls to action are more powerful, and you need to place them on your pages and posts. So it kind of goes with two, except for I'm also not just saying blogs, I'm saying on your pages. So if you have pages at your website, 
what is it that you're asking people to do? And there's so many times I see small business websites that when you look at them, they're gorgeous, okay? You, they're gorgeous. And the only thing that they have as a call to action is contact us mm-hmm. across their main pages. Um, and then I subscribe to their blog on their blog pages. <laughs> and so it's, it's like when I look at that, I just think, okay, now you're, you're basically appealing to only four or 6% of the visitors that come to your site, those that are actually ready to talk to you. And you're throwing away, or you're giving actually the other 94 to 96 exactly one thing that they can do short of talking to you, which is subscribe to your blog. Which is potentially one of the worst calls to action ever. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly, right? Yeah. And so when you think about being relevant and valuable, you don't want to make your your calls to action throwaways. You don't want to just throw anything out there, but if you, it's your best opportunity to solve a problem for your perfect customer, for your, what people call avatar or buyer persona um, or however, you know what I mean? If you understand the pain that you solve or the problems that you solve or the opportunities that are there and you can give them something really valuable and all you're asking for is an email address, now you're building positive regard. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're building, yeah. people are going, oh my God, this was awesome. And they, it was only an email address that I had to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so you don't need, and the other piece of this is, what we've discovered is you don't necessarily need a dedicated opt-in page for every one of these offers. If you can create, you know, so if, depending on how you can place those on your pages and have them be right there in front of people when they're looking at those pages and they're relevant to the content on the page, you can actually take care of it all right there without having a dedicated opt-in page and a dedicated thank you page. Right, right. So they never have to leave. Exactly. So you do it right there. It does it. It's minimal disruption to what they're trying to get done, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, huge value. And uh, are you going to talk about placement? Placement can be. Yeah. Let me let me adri- uh, let me talk to you about that because okay. I my next point is. Think about your CTA buttons and think outside the box. Most people just have a button, just a, you know, it's a little rectangular thing and it says, you know, get instant access mm-hmm. or it says register now. And mm-hmm. while that's fine, we've actually explored buttons that we call info but infographic buttons. So like you have two states and a button, right? You have the state you see and as soon as your mouse moves over it, you have the hover state. Mm-hmm. And you can actually, we have buttons that move and change and sh- shape and offer more information on the hover hmm. so that you actually have much more engagement. And we did a test on a client site and we thought, okay, we're going to, these are really fun uh, buttons and calls to action. And we place them in the sidebar at the top. That seems to get the most engagement sidebar at the top. Now, here's your challenge. If somebody's looking at it on a mobile, what happens to your sidebar? That's now at the bottom. Exactly. So you've got to think about not only sidebar at the top for desktop, you've got to think about where do you place it in your post, right? Mm-hmm. Near the top where it's there where they'll see it before they have to scroll too far. Got it. Because people will scroll on a mobile. That's one thing that we do. But we're not going to scroll all the way down past the comments to get to the sidebar, which is where it goes is under the comments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and most people hit that comment entry area and they think I'm at the bottom of the page. Sure. So you're, so we've seen that with responsive design, the sidebar that used to 
uh, at the top of the sidebar that used to actually um, work really, really well, both on a mobile, um, when it was non-responsive, it worked really well on a mobile or a desktop. When you go to responsive, you lose the effectiveness of your sidebar for everybody that's on mobile. It, it converts far less um, and hardly at all relative to, you know, to a desktop placement. So uh, now what kind of testing, have you done any testing with uh, pop-ups, be it traditional, or now you see the ones that you go to the page and it slides the page down and yeah. it takes its place? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there? Well, I think whether it's a slide down or it's a pop over, those can be super, super effective, mm-hmm. actually. And people hate them. There's, I went to a, I went to a conference one time, and this person speaking said, "These are horrible, and you should never use them." And I raised my hand and I said, "I've got a client that has converted more using that pop up than you could ever imagine. So why would you say that out of hand without mm-hmm. just saying, why don't you test it for yourself?'" So again, I say test everything on your audience and see what ends up being most effective because a lot of times the pop-ups or the push-down you know, deals, those can work really, really nicely um, with minimal real estate, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you also see the ones where you scroll down the page and they slide in from the right. Yeah. Um, and you can see those too. And I think all of those you know, work to a certain degree, you just have to figure out with your audience, what are they most responding to? Absolutely. Um, and, and that's what we see. So, and, and then it also helps if you know what's the percentage of audience that's on a smartphone or a tablet versus a desktop. Um, you know, and if you can, if you know that about your audience, um, then you can also plan appropriately. And, and that's really, uh, I think really crucial, um, for the listeners here to to ask themselves is you know how 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 much have they tested their sites on on mobile and have they gone through and looked at their opt-ins if they have them uh, on mm-hmm. mobile because you know i i mean as the digital entrepreneur we're typically working on our computers on our websites mm-hmm. but the the traffic stats I'm seeing across my businesses and the businesses I work with now, uh, you're seeing 50 plus percent of the traffic is on mobile, mm-hmm. which is huge. So I mean, that's so what you just said. They're so crucial to be, uh, particularly the sidebars, right? Uh, right, because right. It's just completely hides it effectively. Yeah, so. I was yeah I was one of the I was one of the last people to get on a responsive website design bandwagon, <laughs> and people were like, I mean, everybody's like, "Are you kidding? It has to be responsive." And I'm like, "Really? I I just I can't wait to see what people are going to find out about lead gen when you go responsive, and and where you're used to playing your calls, you know, placing your calls to action because if you have to scroll, people don't scroll. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've got this catch twenty two. You've got to handle the mobile situation, and you've sort of got to be uh, mobile today and responsive. And so now there's all the new design challenges that are coming up. Um, because uh, I think it was Marketing Sherpa that ran a study and actually proved that a non-responsive site converts better than a responsive site. What? On a, on a mobile device. Okay? Oh, uh, yeah. Pinch, yeah you because can, you can yep. pinch and zoom. And pinch and, and that, yeah. That's that, right. Yeah. And, and yet then you've got this SEO kind of thing because Google's out there saying, well, if it's not responsive, we're not going to rank you well when, when somebody's searching on mobile. So there's, you know, so yeah. then it's like, well, we all got to go to mobile. We all, all got to go to responsive, right? Yeah, yeah. So that we don't kill our search engine rankings. And so you've got all of these different things coming at you. And very few people have tested any of this. And so because the metrics weren't, haven't been easily 
there to say, hey, here's my metrics. Here's how many um, actual leads I've gotten from mobile versus from desktop versus from tablet. Um, so yet again, another little metric barrier there to you really getting the full knowledge of what's working or not working from your offers, from what from what it is you're doing. Well, you know, it's and it's really interesting. I was working with a client uh, last week that has a really high volume e-commerce website, and they were they were running just simple A/B split tests and uh, on a, on a couple of their their sales pages. And I asked them, I said, well, you know, what percentage of your site is mobile. I said, well, 60%. And I said, but we're completely focused on split testing uh, the design on the desktop and then sort of the, the responsive side's a bit of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. A- and, and, and here's the other problem that I see, and now we're going down a rabbit hole here, but right. <laughs> the, the other problem I see now is just traditional A-B split testing um, is, is probably very skewed right now because the average person is saying, okay, I'm taking uh, you know, version A, my control, and testing version B against that. Each one of those versions has a, uh, a desktop and a responsive design to it. But the mm-hmm. fact is, is you need to almost tease those apart and now test your, uh, your desktop versus desktop and responsive versus responsive. Right. Unless you can have statistics that show you on page A and page B, here's how many desktops and here's your conversions. Here's how many, you know, and all that. So if you can have something that can help you do that, then it doesn't matter that you split those out other than the fact that, you know, you got it. Because at the end of the day, the pages have to come together and work both on responsive and on desktop. And you've got, you know, basically a CSS challenge there um, in terms of how you actually handle your mobile display. Yeah, and, and and I totally agree, and I think I think I think we we basically just said the same thing there. You, yeah, you need to be able right. to tease those apart. Yes, and, but but I mean, here's the reality. You know, on uh, version A, your desktop may have converted better. Um, but, yes, but your your responsive didn't it converted right. worse. Blended, right. you're getting a skewed result. Right, that's correct. You have to actually understand how each one's converting all the way down, by the way, all the way down to the lead level. Mm-hmm. So there's not many, many systems that will actually help you do that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, okay, so let's come back out of the rabbit hole because okay. uh, I mean, I can totally geek out about that stuff all day. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so, okay, so where were we? So I was on four, four. and I was talking about buttons and CTA buttons and right. really saying, you know, think outside the box. Your buttons have multiple states, use them. Um, you don't need, you know, there's there's a program we use. I'll just call it out right now. It's Uzine. I don't know if you know about it, but Uzine, U, Y-O-U-Z-I-G-N. Anyways, so we use that. And it's, if you're not a graphic designer, mm-hmm. you can create really great buttons, multi-state buttons. I mean, they do them for ads and stuff, but if you figure out, you know, well, I've got something I want to do that's about 300 pixels wide and 100 pixels deep, well, now you've got an ability to create something that can go on a page or a post that's a nice button, do two states of that button. You know, you can give them some information and then give them more information when they roll over it. And you've got a whole different kind of button performing for you than just your standard stock you know, click here, register now. Like the ones I have on my site, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I'm not naming any names though. What, what, what was the uh, what was the name of that program again? You. You Zine. So it's Y O U Z I G N. Okay, well, that's very cool. All right, we, awesome. And it makes it possible to create these kinds of buttons. And we, you know, anyway, so we can go into that. But it, it create, and we just started playing with it. And we started to see on one client site where we put them 
um, and we would place them and stuff, we figured that people will take one and then we'll nurture people to take more, you know, downloads. And they had a lot of really great content. And what we found was once we started playing with these buttons, what we found was that people would go on the site and they'd take six downloads in one session. Wow. Six. Can you even imagine? Like, I was like, okay, how do you nurture it? Because now we only had 10 and you know what I mean? But they kept moving through the site and they were, you know, and they would just take them because they were just catching them. They were engaging them and they were clicking and and they were going ahead and completing those lead capture forms and taking those downloads. I mean, it was stunning how much better performing or how well they performed over just your standard uh, little buttons that you see sometimes. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing with that Uzine. I love the fact that we have such cool technology available to us now, like some things like Uzine and Canva. You know, I mean, we can just create cool stuff, and we don't have. to. I know. Yeah, ah, love it, especially for people like me who are not really a designer. So exactly. See, neither am I. But I. But so it, it just helps. And see, that's part of the problem. You know, you need a you need a web dev techie, and you need a designer. And so you use Fiverr and you get some result that might be okay, but, you know, you got to wait. And so then everything's kind of delayed. If you can get things done for yourself right now as you get an idea and you're all excited and you can actually deliver on it and create the call to action and get it in there and have the pop-up form right there without waiting on all all that stuff and paying that expense to get that work done, now you've got some real power um, in your, in your pocket. You know what I mean? You've just got yeah. some real power to, to do what you need to do when the, when the, you know, thought strikes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So I think we've got one left, right? Yes. Let's okay. So now that you've got, so we've gone through one, two, three, four, right? So now that you've got things in place, then you want to start thinking about how you progress people along their path. So you want to think about, so my next one about CTA secrets is think about progression. So, Topics, so topic deep calls to action, build real trust and authority. So for instance, we have this session, these, uh, we have three scoops, okay? So the, and we call them scoops. And the first one is the single biggest reason why your emails don't get read, right? It's just a simple download. It gives you these amazing tips um, about, you know, here's what you can do to have your emails read and engaged with, right? And then we have scoop two, which is list or listening, And it talks about this whole thing we started talking about is lack of segmentation and batch and blast. And we draw a really big distinction between the two and what you can do to be more effective and have your leads really, really enjoy and love you, right? Um, And then we have the third scoop, which is when is batch and blast okay? Which here we've just told them never batch and blast. And then we have one that says, when is batch and blast okay? So we kind of really dive deep in each one. And by the time you read all three of those, you end up having this, this knowledge about what you really need to be thinking about around your email. Um, so topic deep CTAs build that trust and that authority. You set yourself up. What you want to do is set yourself up to make your next offer via email. Make sure you have a platform and people will forward your emails and you'll get new leads because people are really enjoying you. They're really, you're making a difference for them and they'll be like, hey, check this out. You're going to want this, right? So they're going to share and spread more of the news for you. So that's always helpful. Um, But the other side of this, on top of that, so think about progression, but the catch here is that you've got to make sure you have a platform that knows when somebody's already taken an offer. Mm -hmm. So you don't offer it to them again Mm because there's nothing more frustrating. Here you are, smart. You've got all this stuff. You're kind of like reading their mind in a way. And then you offer them the same thing three times. 
because yep. you don't know that they took it. And there's nothing more irritating. Everybody I talk to is, has has actually experienced this. And you're mm-hmm. thinking, well, gal, don't they know that I already took their offer? Don't they know that I've already gotten this and they gave me a thank you and <laughs> yeah, yeah. A thank you email and they've already acknowledged that and I thought and they I thought they knew me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you go ruin it, right? Because you actually, you know, you don't you can't really track that. Um so anyways, so those are the that's the fifth one for me on a on a on an opt-in secret is just think about progression because you can deepen that relationship in a really, really nice way. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And that was there was a ton. Uh, everybody listening, there was a ton of stuff in there. If you if even you just do half of what Kim, <laughs> Kim just shared with you, you're going to see your results uh, skyrocket. So now let's shift gears a little bit here. And um, before we run out of time, I want to talk about. Uh, the technology options, because I know, I mean, you've been pioneering and building in this space since, as you said, 2007. And, you know, I've always seen a void in the market. And so, you know, when I first got started online, you know, the first sort of SaaS systems, you know, hosted email marketing systems were, you know, AWeber was one of the first, GetResponse, and, and then, you know, the MailChimps, the Constant Contacts, iContact. And I kind of call those the... To an extent, um, I don't know if it's the right term for it or if people be offended, but I call them church group mailers <laughs> because they're yeah. great for, you know, you know, organizing your church group, right? Um, but they leave a lot to be desired with marketing. But right. for somebody getting started, you know, you, you were faced with, okay, do I go with AWeber or do I go up to the – Infusionsoft and now kind of Entreport level, which has, uh, you know, a big ticket. You're spending two grand to get your system set up. And then, you know, you're going to be spending at least a couple hundred dollars a month on top of that, plus learning curve, plus, 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 all of these different things. And then you have to make it work with your system. And then obviously above that, we get into, you know, very high commercial exact target stuff like that. But there's uh, there's always been this missing void in between um, mom and pop mailers and sort of that infusion soft uh, level you know why did you go after that and 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 what are what do you see that's happening different now um here's what i what i see is that um i went i went after i went after that because i have a commitment to the small business mm-hmm. and i also know that you know at the entrepreneurial side so janu uh, the Janu product set that we have is kind of right at the same price point as Infusionsoft, except for no setup fee. Mm-hmm. But but then you start looking at how do I really enable? What are the real problems that entrepreneurs are having? And the guiding principle for me is what are those problems and how can they best be solved at a price point that works? So I challenge myself and my staff to come up with solutions that are affordable and empowering for that market, for that small entrepreneurial market. That's where we were focused mm-hmm. when we came up with what we now call WP Marketing Engine that runs entirely or accessed entirely from within your WordPress admin. There's several reasons why we did that um, and, and, and created that particular offering um, that gets at that small business space. But I think you know, typically it's like, well, what's worth more? You know, it's you got to go upstream, right? So mm-hmm. the infusion softs of the world have taken, I don't know how much venture money, right? So you, at some point, and I'm not saying venture money's bad, I'm just saying that at some point you become beholden to those investors yeah. and, their, 
and thereafter getting their return. And so that puts a different strain and a different stress on a company um, than in terms of being able to serve. So you saw that with HubSpot. HubSpot went upstream and started charging more and more money. And they became, and so even still people say, well, they're for the small business marketplace. But if you look at spending $30,000 in your first year, I don't think that they're for the small business marketplace. No. So, and so you, you really have to start to look at, well, what really is the, is, is going to, is going to serve. And so that's always been a question that drives us. I don't know if that answered your question entirely. Yeah. Um, Well, let's, let's talk about, I guess the solution, because I have a question, a question about the solution that you've created, and that's a you've taken a different approach. So you're now in this space between the AWebers and Get Responses and the Infusionsoft, and there's always been this need there. And over the last couple of years, I've watched a few players emerge. Some, you know, ConvertKit. Um, I think Campaign Monitor's in there as well. And and now you with the WP Marketing Engine, but you've done something really different. You're not a traditional. Um, hosted sort of SaaS system that sits off on these servers and, you know, the average user has to figure out how to connect that to his website. You really integrated it into the WordPress platform. So what was your decision-making behind that? What kind of advantages does something like that offer? Yeah, our decision was, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the frustration of somebody trying to plug all kinds of things together. If you're using MailChimp, for instance, you know, they don't even have their own WordPress plugin. Their answer is go out and search in the plugins directory and find one <laughs> and then and then install it, right? Yeah. So there's 340 or something like that WordPress plugins for MailChimp that were all written by somebody else, not them. Mm-hmm. And so they don't maintain them. And so if somebody writes one and they decide, okay, I'm tired of maintaining this and it stops, well, now you're open to vulnerabilities. If they don't know how to code those plugins, you're open to vul- and you, And there's no way that a small business owner actually, or you know, a small business marketer or entrepreneur that isn't a techie knows how to select which WordPress plugin to select. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and so then you need that. You need an event plugin if you're doing you know, events or or um, want people to register and to go to webinars or, or, or that kind of thing you need. So when you look at the things you have to cobble together, it, no wonder it's, it's a major pain in the butt and you have major holes in your system where you have to cobble things together. So what we kept looking at was, okay, if, if they install our plugin, we have a plugin slash cloud hybrid basically that that they access right from within WordPress. We know how much WordPress gets hacked. Are you kidding? So we ended up putting all the good lead data and your campaign data and all that's all up in the cloud. So if your WordPress site gets hacked or whatever, you still have all that data. It's not hurt at all. It didn't even get impacted by something that happened to your website, for instance, which with a plugin that runs entirely on your server, you would end up losing things. You would end up having compromises. Um, and so we wanted to protect that privacy data and all of that, you know, your leads and your lists and your campaigns and your metrics, we wanted to protect that from what would be, has to be native on your, on your WordPress. But at the same time, it looks like it's all right there within WordPress. And it takes less than 15 minutes to set up and configure and have it working with your WordPress website. So our goal was we want you to be able to create forms and have opt-ins and pop-ups and, and you know, pages and all of that very, very easily without having to be a techie that or having to rely on your web dev or WordPress expert so that you can operate your business and operate your marketing in that way. So that's why we did it. That was the whole push behind us coming up with that solution. And, and also having integrated with the website gives you a whole different level of 
being able to track users' activity yes. and stuff as well, I assume. Well, it's a, it's a tracking pixel. So the challenge with WordPress, and I believe if you have uh, if you have any kind of Infusionsoft solution or anything, the mail solutions, mailer solutions, will never have any problem because they don't place a tracking pixel. They just measure your clicks through your emails. But for anything that does more, like an Infusionsoft or like a WP Marketing Engine or a Janu, you, you want tracking. You want a tracking pixel. You want to know everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. You want to know what they're doing you, so that you can trigger and automate other activities and actions that you need or want to do so that you actually build that relationship and trust and authority with your leads. And so, and so but the problem with WordPress, before we looked at really integrating with WordPress, is try, tell, tell an entrepreneur where to put the tracking pixel on their WordPress uh, implementation, and now you've got problem number one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we wanted to solve that. So the only way to solve that was to start offering a plugin that would work really well. And then one thing led to another and we were like, well, this doesn't work. Well, this is complicated. And we just started to solve the problems. And, and I love the, uh, I mean, I really love the approach that you've taken with this. And I think it's going to solve a lot of technical hurdles uh, that are preventing for the small businesses f- from leveraging a lot of this advanced targeting that that uh, mm-hmm. that is it, it, not only have we been talking about, but it's the future of this. You know, right. it's the yeah. future of email marketing. If if right. if in a few years from now you're just st- still doing you know mass broadcast without any type of segmentation, your results are just going to get worse and worse and worse because that's not what the big ESPs are looking for. They want mailers right. that are talking to people that are listening. Right. And you're not going to get the delivery either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're not going to get it. It's, it's the, the, the algorithms are not going to deliver your mail because you're going to have a bad reputation for being a sender because the majority of people aren't engaging with you. And that's the part that's really going to kill a lot of, of people who don't pay attention. Absolutely. So now we're, we're just about out of time, but before we wrap things up, um, you know, if our listeners want to find out more about you, your business, WP Marketing Engine, any cool giveaways that you have, where do they yeah. go? Okay, so I'll give you two things. So the first one is you, sh- you can go to WP Marketing Engine, mktgengine.com, uh, and that's our site. And right on the homepage of our site, we usually have some free training that you can take. Right now, if you if you go out there, um, we've got a full set of training on calls to action. So we have a full CTA training, how to maximize opt-ins on your website, um, and you can go to the homepage and if and you should be able to click and get that training. That's fantastic. Awesome. So, Kim, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge today. Um, it was definitely an info-packed interview. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. And thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate talking with you today. It's always fun. Awesome. All right, everybody. That was uh, email marketing and I would call her marketing automation expert as well, Kim Elby. And as always, any of the links that we mentioned in this interview will be included in the show notes. Uh, So to a WP Marketing Engine, uh, anything else that was mentioned, along with the entire transcript of this episode. And as always, you can find them on entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. And also don't forget, if you haven't done so already, you can automatically have every future episode of this podcast automatically delivered to your smartphone or device. For Apple-made devices, just head on over to iTunes, search 
Derek Gale, Entrepreneur Ignited, either one will do. And click subscribe. If you're an Android user, do the same using the SoundCloud app. And if you learned something here today, if you want us to continue doing this podcast, leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on SoundCloud because it's your feedback and reviews that are the fuel that gives me the momentum, that motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for digital entrepreneurs. And now it's time to take the tips, tools, and strategies you've learned here today and apply that final essential ingredient to making them work. And as you know, if you've listened before, that ingredient is action. So go forth, take action, and apply what you've learned, and stay tuned for more info-packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.